Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey gang, welcome to episode 50, the big 5-0 of the Wingman Podcast. And I am joined once again by Mr. Ryan Bassam. Dude, how are you? What's up, buddy? Doing good. Good. Just uh, trying to live the dream, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. I hear you there. Well, you and I just bumped into each other down at Hunt Expo in yeah. big old Salt Lake City. It's good to see you. Likewise, man. That that uh, that was a strong event. It was super crowded and busy, which was great to see. So I'm glad that we did get to see each other, and hopefully you guys had a ton of success while you were there. Yeah, we did. We did, and I yeah. hope you guys had the same. I know talking to you, it sounds, it sounds like you guys were very successful and, yeah, and uh, left your left your uh, customers wanting more, which is always a good thing. Yeah, we, we didn't have enough product there for that company, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, we thought we did. Um, so, no, it was definitely a success. It was a good time. No, that's, that is cool. That is cool, and I don't know if you are at liberty to say, but uh, what company was that? Yeah, no. So um, I, I, I think last time on here, I was working for one company. Now I work for, for several and, and do a few different things. But uh, so I was there with Peaks Equipment, which is more on the, the big game hunting side of, right. of our industry. Um, it's a company based out of Bozeman, Montana. And uh, yeah, no, we, we just started a few years ago and it's been really exciting. It's more hard, good products for the backcountry hunters campsite. And um you know, we we're still, you know, trying to get things put together just how we want, but we have several products out now and they've been received very, very well. So it's, it's been exciting to be a part of that. No, that's cool. Good for you guys. Yeah. I, I swung by your booth uh, a couple of times kind of wandering around and there was a couple of people in there from time to time that I needed to connect with as yeah. the, as in, in the realm of my other job, my day job at, for Eastman's right. as the editor. So that was cool, but you guys were busy the entire time. It was good to see yeah. It was fantastic. I heard a lot of people um, that participated at the event, whether they're outfitters, guides, you know, product companies, uh, whatever, everybody had a fantastic show. So it's, it's always good to hear and see that in our industry. So things are going strong. Yeah, no, that was, it's definitely a positive event, but it, you're right. It was definitely, it's more of the big game side of things. I think I saw one waterfowl uh, call company there. But otherwise, right. it, well, it is big. They had the call and competition there. Yes. Yeah, and I didn't get to go see it. We were, we were too busy, but I ran into a couple of boys from Arkansas. I was like, y'all are from the South. You look lost. And <laughs> it, was, it was good to see some some friends from uh, from further down South, for sure. But uh, they were a little bit out of their element. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I was talking to uh, some guys from Florida, swung through the booth. Yeah. And we were talking wingman stuff, but we got talking big game. And I was like, you guys, you guys, nah, man, just, just stay in the waterfall world. You'll be all right. <laughs> different, different, but that headlamp you guys um, had out there, that would cross over really well. I was looking at that going, I could use this duck hunting and big game hunting. Definitely. And, and that was my first opinion as well. I mean, obviously um, I cross over into all um pursuits of hunting and and i love that um but it is 100 percent a headlamp that would be great for a lot of things well and i did use it i used it both for some waterfowl hunts as well as some big game hunts this past fall 
Um, and it works great. It's, uh, I mean, I'll dive right into it if you don't mind, but go for I it. Mean, so it's called the Backcountry Duo. Um, duo because it has a white light and a red. Um, it's got three white light settings, three red light settings. The highest um, uh, lumen on the white setting is a thousand lumens. So as a waterfowl hunter, it's almost like having a spotlight on your head. I mean, if you right. really want to light up, um, you know, the night as you're coming into to your spot or trying to get decoy set, whether that be water or field based, it, it really is a, a great piece of equipment to have. Um, and then on the big game hunting side, I keep mine set at a low red. Um, so when I'm coming in and out at night, I'm not spooking everything. And the battery life is, is much lasts much longer on that setting too. So it's kind of best of both worlds, a little bit of everything in between for no matter what kind of pursuit of hunting you're doing. Um, if, if you don't want to be fumbling around in the dark, it's, it's a good option. No, it was a sweet, sweet headlamp. And by the time I got, I, I was able to escape our booth for a minute uh you guys already sold out of them so i'm gonna have to uh hit you up for one of those later yeah, on i'll, I'll buy absolutely. one you're you're spot on with the with that thousand lumens when i was looking at it uh dan picard actually had a, yeah. had a couple of them and he brought one more we were checking them out i was like yep. man a thousand lumens you can literally you know i'm thinking a lot of the stuff we do here waterfall related especially ducks there's sure. a pretty good hike involved you know, we're hiking, we're hiking into spots and we're setting up decoys in the dark. Very, you know, very seldom do we have the whole big field experience. And usually if we're doing that, it's later in the day, you know, whatever. But man, having a, having a light that lights up everything is, yeah. especially, I don't know about, I don't know about up there. I know you guys have some stuff up there that you hunt that can be pretty rugged, but our, the water around here that we end up hunting most of the time, if you, mm -hmm. you can go into a spot and not maybe not have had a chance to scout it like right down to the water's edge the day before, mm -hmm. and you can get, you can get twisted up in a hurry in some of oh, those sure. spots, you know, where Absolutely. you don't realize that how the amount of dangerous water that's there and with a right. spotlight, with a headlamp that bright, you're going to be able to assess the situation and go, yeah, we're good. I, we got enough yeah. room, room to work a dog or this isn't going to work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, I totally agree. I mean, up here in Montana where I'm, I'm based full-time. Yeah. It's, it's more field hunting. And, and so it, it definitely has its use there, but I go back down home to Texas quite a bit where, where I grew up hunting and it's a lot of, you know, flooded buck brush and timber. And, um, yeah, when, when you're going through that type of terrain with a whole bunch of submerged, you know, limbs and, and whatever else is down beneath the water level, um, you know, having a sure footing and being able to see what's going on is, it makes a world of difference. There's been several of us that have taken a bath a time or two, um, <laughs> and a little bit of light might've saved us from, from taking a dip. So <laughs> no, that is, that is the, so true. So true. Well, cool, man. Well, I was talking, I had a good good fortune to record a podcast actually earlier this morning with Baker Levitt from Black Ripple Coffee. And we got talking turkey, yeah. we got talking turkey hunting. And nice. the conversation drifted in. Yeah, it's that time of year, right? No, but, it's, it's on my brain. <laughs> I mind too. Um, the conversation drifted into those two birds off your left shoulder on the wall, those oscillated turkeys. And he and I yeah. obviously heard about them. But we never, we've never hunted them. What is that like? You said it's a different hunt. Yeah. So explain it. Totally. Um, 
so I mean, most guys are and, and girls are common, you know, common knowledge around the the four that we have the most access to here in the in the United States and Eastern Rios, Osceola's, Merriams. Um, once you get down to Mexico, your Royal Slam will, will get you at your well. You complete your Royal Slam with your Ghouls. You complete your World Slam with bird number six, which is the Oscillated. What makes the Oscillated different than those other five is um, there's not a call manufacturer that replicates the sound that they make. Um, I've, I've been fortunate to hunt all of them uh, a few times, and there, there's just not a call that makes that sound. And so some people try to do it with an electronic caller or, um, you know, it's more of an ambush for some people. And that's why some people are kind of on the fence of, of whether or not they want to do it. But I'm an advocate for doing it because I'm all about the adventure. Um, right. I think that there's skill sets that can be learned no matter what species you're hunting, whether that be the different kinds of waterfowl around the world, um, turkeys, big game, doesn't matter. There's always a learning as a hunter for you can, for you to be able to continually progress um, and refine yourself as a hunter. And sometimes I've learned that you can take what you've learned from hunting an oscillated turkey and actually it might, some of those learnings may apply towards something else that you hunt later on down the road. But what makes it truly different, um, you're in the land of the Mayans. I mean, you fly into Mexico City. For Mexico City, you got to take a flight to Campeche, which is in the Yucatan Peninsula. So same part of the, um, the country where Cancun and all that stuff's at. Um, but instead of being over on the beach, it's more deep into the jungle. Um, it's an arid jungle. It's not, you know, wet or anything like that. Uh, there's no cell phone reception, no electricity. Um, it's, you know, what, what you would expect, um, if you were to go back hundreds of years ago and, and think about the times of the Mayans. And so there's still those big white rocks that they use to, to make a lot of the temple ruins that are kind of still in that area, just kind of randomly throughout the jungle, which is kind of crazy to see. Um, you stay in wall tent camps, um, run them off a generator, you eat what you kill sort of a deal. So, you know, the last time I was there, we were eating the turkeys that we hunted and some javelina, um, brocket deer, which I have actually that guy here too. That's, yeah, look at that. that's, that's as big as they get. That was actually a big one. Um, so they're pretty cool, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was long, hard days. You, uh, you try and figure out where they're roosted, um, get in as close as you can. And as soon as they pitch down out off that limb, you, you, you hope that they're within shooting range and that's really the best way to do it. Other guys, the way they've done it is set up on like an ag field um, and just kind of wait and hope that you catch them coming in or out. Uh, and so it's, it's a little bit different challenge because, you know, most turkey hunters, we, we love the, the opportunity to, to run and gun and, and get that calling interaction. Um, and so you don't get that with these birds, but it, in my mind, it doesn't make them any less special. It's still a really cool adventure um, terrain that I've never hunted in before. And just the cultural aspect, it was just a really neat experience. And so I, I still say, go for it. If it's on your on your list of things you want to try it's it's worth it you know i think you hit i think you hit on something there too ryan that a lot of us a lot of waterfowlers a lot of bird hunters wing shooters however you want to peg yourself i yeah. i don't i don't think we realize how much culture we ingest on our mm -hmm. hunts and how much it how much it's a part of what we do and without it it wouldn't be yeah. the same and i Oh, for sure. You know, and I'm not talking different countries necessarily or different places. It can be, you know, a guy from Mississippi 
going to North Dakota to oh, hunt yeah, to hunt ducks. It's a different <laughs> yeah. world from where he lives, you different. know, or or coming out media, here. All of it, yeah. Tactics are different. Everything's different. It's an awesome learning experience. You know, one of the one of the one of the absolute highlights. We just I did a crane hunt in uh, Enid, Oklahoma, mixed in nice. some little geese. It seems like a few weeks ago, but it was back in uh, January. We got lucky that there were any cranes that far north still, but yeah. there were, and there historically are. So we were, we went for it and hunt yeah. was, hunt was tough, but you know, what was part of the cool thing about going there was, you know, the different, even like, you know, the cameraman that I had with me was from there and he's like, yeah. dude, you got to have, you got to have Brahms ice cream. <laughs> you know so it's like we're stopping to get ice cream or you gotta, you gotta I, didn't, yeah, I didn't even think about that of course you don't know what brahms ice cream is but i grew up in texas and so i'm like absolutely you got to go to brahms exactly it's, it's, and, and i grew up in i grew up in the upper midwest where dairy is like <laughs> king you know what i mean and it was like yeah. we had ice cream parlors all over the place and every right. town had their own ice cream place but it was it was really good and it's a cultural yeah. thing just absolutely. because it's still in the United States doesn't mean it's not a different culture. Oh, absolutely. I agree completely. I think um, up and down every flyway, I've always envisioned it this way in my mind, but like you got your four major flyways, draw a line across the middle of the country. It gives you eight regions and the, the waterfowl cultures within each of those eight regions changes pretty quickly, depending on where you're at. Um, and it's, and it's not all because of the species of birds or the hunting tactics. It's, it's all those other things you just talked about. Like, you know, fast food chains are, are different there and the way people talk is different there. And it's, it's all fun stuff to be immersed in. I was joking, teasing, uh, teasing Harrison, my cameraman. I, I said, uh, you know, Oklahoma's, he's asking me, he's proud of his, proud of his, where he grew up, you know, so he's, yeah. you know, and I've never been to Oklahoma. So it was kind of a, it was a neat trip. It was fun. Right. He's asking, yeah. you, what do you think? What do you think? And I said, this is after like three or four days there. And I said, you know, I said, this place is interesting. Because it's kind of like the Midwest, but it's not. Right. It's kind of like the South, but it's but not. It's, yeah. It's kind of like the West, but it's not. It's this <laughs> weird conglomeration of all these different things. Sure. You know, it, but it was, it was a great time. It was a great hunt. But, you know, it's one of those things that my wife and I were, we're, we're going to go back. We're going to take the kids. We're going to go back to yeah. Iowa this spring and hunt and hunt turkeys probably mix in some Minnesota and she's from cool. there. My family lives there now. And she said the other day, yeah, it'll be cool. Cause if we hunt that one farm that's South of town, we can stop at Casey's on the way through and get a piece of breakfast pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and see that, that wouldn't have meant anything to me probably five or six years ago. But it does now. I, it does now. Like I've spent <laughs> some time over there and it's like, of course you got to do that. If you, you haven't participated in that morning ritual then you didn't really experience the full you know opportunity so uh, it's uh, ridiculous so isn't true. it it's it's like <laughs> oh my gosh you know and that that i guess that's what that's the coolest part and you, and you hit the nail on the head too when you said the different flyways and then you draw a line across the middle and they're it's different up and down each flyway different regional regional yeah. things you know the way we hunt ducks here locally mm -hmm. versus the way you'd hunt them in south dakota or north dakota or down south even what we did in oklahoma night and day different 
Oh, absolutely. Night and yeah. day different. There's little intricacies. And I think if you're paying attention, I know for me, mm-hmm. paying attention to those differences is going to make me a better waterfowl hunter. Absolutely. Overall. Absolutely. I think as those birds migrate down, um, the variables in the equation, depending on which region you're in, what the weather's doing, what what what's happening in the life cycle of that bird? Are they getting ready to breed? Are they staging for another big migration further down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it all plays into, you know, their, what they're feeding on and why. And, and when you can start figuring that stuff out on a broader scale outside of just your own backyard, you just start to understand, you know, waterfowl habits that much better in my opinion. And, and, you know, you end up in a day where it's like, man, we usually kill them here. Like what's, what's going on. It, well, when you have more experience and you've been around a bit um, and, and have hunted with other people and learned from them too, you you have more tools in the in the toolbox to go, ah, this is what's going on. Maybe this isn't the right spot at all. Like it's time to go pound the ground and see if we can't, you know, find them in a different area where maybe there's a different type of food source or whatever it is. And and sometimes that's it's a bigger adjustment than just moving some decoys around or or right. anything like that. It's you know, pull up and go figure out where they're at and why they're there yeah you might have to go 30 40 miles yeah yeah no it's Mm -hmm. funny i've had a handful of guys from other parts of the country that for whatever reason ended up in a blind with me out here yeah and they're used to hunting they're used to hunting stuff and most of the time we're up you know it's pretty traditional you're up early like you you swing through maverick and grab something to just to eat or drink and you head down to the head down to wherever you're going you get your stuff set up but it's not always like that and the one that struck me this hit me the this uh year was we got cold as as did you the cold that we're you and i are sitting in right now we had earlier as well right and our river our river that we hunt here locally was choked right down to nothing and it was pushing slush yeah And we, I went down and I scouted it and there was one spot that I was like, the the air temps are going to warm up just enough. There's Mm -hmm. one spot where I can, we can get dogs in and out safely. And there's a ton of birds in there and we're not going to blow roost or anything. Right. And it was like, okay. But I knew that if we went in there in the dark, it was, you know, it was pointless. We were going to, we were going to push birds around. And right. birds weren't going to fly first thing in the morning anyway. So we waited and went yep. in later in the day, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And it got, the temperatures came up, it got warmer. It was nicer hunting. Yep. And lo and behold, the birds were flying all over the place. Yep. I remember having to learn that out here about these, about these Western states that when those temps are below 10 degrees, then our birds don't move. They just sit. Yeah. They just sit. And you're further ahead to sleep in, get oh, yeah. up go out and hunt middle of the day and you're going to kill way more birds and not be frustrated. Absolutely. And I think that's why, why scouting is so important too. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're really scouting the right way and putting in some, some real time, you, you end up seeing that, right. It's like, okay, well, I got up at, you know, daylight and nothing's flying, nothing's fine. And then all of a sudden, like you said, 10, 11 o'clock, especially in temps like we see up here up North, like they're, they're on the move. And I think that that makes a world of difference. I, I admittedly, the first time I moved up here, I was like, what's going on? That was foreign to me and something I, I had to learn. And, and it's like, okay, all right, this is going to be a different ball game. You know, this is something new to learn, which is exciting. And so hundred um, percent, you gotta, you gotta learn, learn what these birds are wanting to do as, as things shift around. Yeah. I kind of enjoy those late mornings though. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you sleep in and still go duck hunting? Are you kidding me? I like this. Yeah, I make breakfast burritos. Take those in. I got more time to do it. <laughs> absolutely. No, you're. It's it's wild, but yeah, man, it's it's just cool when you start talking to people, and it goes back to, you know, what conversations I've had with a lot of people about just the culture of waterfowl, the culture of wing shooting. And we're all connected by different aspects of it, but we're all doing the same thing, you know, and like you, you talking about the, those osseal, those oscillated turkeys. I can picture what you're doing. It sounds to me like it's like a combination of a big game wall tent camp for elk and, Mm -hmm. you know, or hunting mule deer from sounds to me like the way you're, you're talking about hunting them. Sure. It's still hunting, you know, we're still, everybody's still getting out there doing it. Different style. Yeah. It's a mix between like, a Western big game hunt and hunting out of a ground blind for a whitetail or something. That's, that's the best way I can sum it up, except it's like 90 something degrees. And at least <laughs> the last time I was there where we were at, I was picking ticks off doing this. I bet. I bet. The entire time. And it was, uh, it added to the experience, you know, um, we were prepared for ticks and it, <laughs> I had no idea we were going to be in that many of them, but uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. The monkey swinging through the trees and, freaking pumas howling at night it was awesome i mean you that sounds wild it's you have to experience it to truly appreciate it yeah i yeah that is that is super cool that's definitely it's definitely one that's on my bucket list i don't know if i'll actually ever get to do it but it's one of those things it's like yeah maybe someday i would definitely if the opportunity arose it would not be something i would turn down that is that is for sure but i hear you so what, uh, how was your waterfowl season, dude? We didn't, that's one thing pretty we good. didn't get to talk about. Directly. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. I, um, I spent a little bit more time up in Alberta this year. Um, had some really good hunts here in Montana, spent some time, um, working on a project down in, in Texas where I'm from originally and, uh, snuck over and hunted in a new country, um, in Scotland and did really? some waterfowl over there. So that was pretty cool, but, uh, it was different. I mean, I think everybody kind of felt the pain, no matter where you're at this year, it was what I would consider a soft season. Um, we still had a good season, but, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, even here where, where I normally hunt here at home, like, um, I bet we saw a quarter of the birds we normally would have had for, you know, the first half or, or more of the season really. And so they were up in, in Canada for a long time clear up into january we had birds up there so just, i heard that i heard reports that guys that were yeah. northern montana and, and can southern sure. canada there's like there's still birds up there it was my so, there was some open water in places in alberta still in the first week or two of january i mean thousands of mallards in in uh canada geese still up there and so what can you do? <laughs> nothing, nothing. On, on, you go there and chase them out there until they're yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Quit whining and go north. But right, right. Get your well. Never mind. I'll cut. I'll catch myself. I got my jab. It's an easy drive up there. <laughs> I got a bunch of birds. Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> you know that's you know that's a choice that I think everybody's got to make for themselves. Yeah. You know. Hey, I'm addicted. I can't help it. I I got the poke and and I I hit. In total, I think I traveled eight countries last year. Wow. Had a lot of fun, you know, whatever. Um, I've put worse things in my body, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sh- I think most of us probably have. Yeah. Oh, that's that's funny. So, Scotland, what – Yeah. Now, what was that like? It was so cool. Um, 
so there's there's a few places a few countries i've been to where you can just feel the excitement and energy from those guys over there they want so bad they wish that the waterfowl hunting culture where they live was similar to how they envision it is here um and a few of them have the 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 opportunity to come here um you know the the guys i've hunted with in australia um it was like that it was very similar in scotland and i'm not talking about the scenery and the way they hunt i'm just talking about that that love and passion for waterfowl hunting um just ate up with it sitting there looking at maps you know scouting you know all day long for several days on end, you know, having to knock doors and try and get permission on new fields that haven't had birds on it. It's all the same stuff we deal with. Their biggest challenges is that because it's not, and they don't have an industry there for waterfowl hunting, like they don't have the products we do. Like those guys are making their own calls or having to try and figure out, well, how do I get decoys shipped over from the United States? So can you imagine what that costs? Like um, on and on and on, like um, they just have a different set of challenges, but the love is, is just the same. Um, so it was really neat. They talk funny, but we figured out how to communicate. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a good time. We, we targeted gray lag geese for the majority of the time I was there. Cause I was there in October, uh, a little bit later in the season might've had a little bit more opportunity to hunt different species. I might go back this coming December and try and hunt in Sweden a little bit too, to, to check some more species off the list. But, um, I would say that hunting those gray lags from, from the way they decoy, how they work um, a spread, and even the calling is very, very similar to hunting speckle belly geese. Okay. So if, if people are looking to make a connection, like if you love hunting specks, <laughs> you would love going to Scotland and hunting gray lag. And I was hunting with uh, Christian Lilly, who owns Aberdeen Waterfowl. Um, awesome operation, super fun guys to, to hang out with and hunt with. And, and I'm definitely going back. It was, it was a blast, ton of fun. Oh, that's, you know, I think uh, maybe not everybody, but, and I can't speak for everybody, but I speak for myself in that, that hunting over there is something that I've always been fascinated with. Yeah. And to hear it, to hear you talk about it, it's similar, I you know, I'm doing all the same stuff. That's surprising to me because I think for most Americans, when we think about hunting in Great Britain, we think, sure on estates we think driven game or you know different not like what you're talking about sure sure it was pretty similar um in a lot of ways um but yeah i mean there's other countries where it is it it, it does fulfill that expectation where it's like oh i knew it wasn't going to be like i expected and it absolutely wasn't <laughs> but they okay. did it totally different um and you know it is what it is that's how they have to do it based on what the way they've learned and you have to kind of just appreciate why and how they do it and i've traveled with guys before that have you know they get frustrated why aren't they doing it like this or like this and i'm like we're we're in their backyard like just try to understand why they're doing if they ask for an opinion talk about it in a respectful manner but um you kind of just have to go with the flow and embrace it for what it is and enjoy it yeah i guess it was surprising to me to hear you say you know knocking on doors and things like that i didn't i would ever have envisioned that yeah. I mean, they're same thing, trying to lock up lease ground, talking to landowners, paying them a certain amount of money so they can, you know, keep other guys off of it. A lot of the same stuff that we do here. Um, you know, they're super proud of their dogs and, and um, you know, how well their dogs work and 
put in the time year round with their dogs, trying to train them up and, and get them ready. And it's a lot, a lot of similarities. And it's not like that everywhere, but I would say in Australia and Scotland, probably the most similar to what uh, we experience here at home. No kidding. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's wild. That's cool. Yeah, I would, I would say so, but interesting to see, to hear what you say about, you know, Alberta and kind of birds being down yeah. all over the, all over the place. I've heard the same thing over and over and over from yeah. Oklahoma to Wyoming to some of the Southern States, you know, some of the other places I know earlier in the season, there was a big push of birds that went through in Arkansas. Right. But after that, it doesn't, it seemed like they didn't have much. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, we know that certain species migrate on photo period, so they're going to migrate down no matter what, you know, weather doesn't affect them too much. Food sources obviously do a little bit, but they're moving. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a super soft season buddies. I, I know over in Kentucky and, um, that part of the world had a hard time. Um, a lot of my buddies in Arkansas, it was, it was weird. In Arkansas was like 50, 50, you either had birds, or you didn't, which seems to always be the case anyway. That's what I heard. Um, but you know, feast or famine sort of a deal. Um, I, I made it home, uh, to Texas and hunted at a buddy's place and, you know, it was, it was okay. Nothing great. And then went back to where I first grew up hunting. Cause we were working on a film project there and, uh, got to, you know, go back and hunt where I shot my first duck, which was awesome. And it was just tried and true as always. Like it was, uh, we had a great hunt, but it wasn't, it, it was a great hunt. It was fast and furious, a lot of birds but not nearly the amount of mallards we normally have and way more green wing teal than normal. And so it's just, you could tell it was, it was off. We still had a lot of food and a lot of water. So a lot of birds, but the species that we were, you know, accustomed to seeing weren't quite there. They were still further North, I think. So that's interesting. Kind of a bizarre season again. Well, I'll ask you this then. Did you, cause I kind of have a theory, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking to different people about it. Did yeah. you notice more or less or about the same number of rice-breasted birds? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, ooh, I would say probably about the same from the places I was in. What I mean, I'm curious to know now. What about you? What more, have you been hearing? More. More. A lot really. More. And we're starting to see that uh, sacrocystis, it's called, and we're seeing it show up in big game animals as well. Very interesting. There, no, were, several, there were several oh, elk killed in our area this year oh. that had sacrocystis. Really? Yes. Sacrocystis, so sacrocystis. I can't remember, yeah. but it's, it's the same thing, and it has yep. to do with has to do with with the with the cycle, the life cycle mm. of the parasite. And yep. um, the, my my theory is basically, a bird gets it by ingesting the parasitic eggs in the feces from a carnivore yeah carnivore having eaten the adult stage of the parasite in a bird that was right. that had it and it's so it's a it's a cyclical deal right yep. my theory and the re and my theory behind it is and i didn't put this together until it started we started seeing it in elk and a handful of mule deer is you know the whole all the western states are facing down drought we've had drought for yeah. depending on the state we've had drought for a decade it's right bad. it's been so yeah. bad yeah so we've got we've got animals that are really heavily congregated around very small water mm -hmm. sources that would increase the amount of predation at those water sources which would increase the amount of mm -hmm. 
um, carnivore feces. It, it would just it, it, it ramp it all up. Absolutely, because it's, it's it's everything's getting congested and more exposed to exactly to that exactly. And it's just a theory. Like I said, I, I'm not a biologist, but it's something that it's I theory. noticed. You know, I noticed it, and there were there were times this year where we would get out of a five bird mallard limit. I get two that didn't have rice breast. Really? Yeah, yeah I did. I definitely didn't see anything to that extreme. Um, that's crazy. Um, and it wasn't constant like that, but there were two different cases where, you know, out of the out of the group of guys that goes and hunts, right. everybody goes home and they're cleaning their birds. They're like, "Hey, man, how many birds? How many rice breast birds do you have?" One guy's like, "Oh, I had one," or "I didn't have any," but somebody would have three or two okay. or. You know, there, there was one batch, one batch in particular where I had three of my five mallards were rice breasted. Interesting. And that was a lot. That was a higher precedence precedence than I had seen in the past, in years past. Very interesting. Now, I will say that for sure. I will, I will, I will say though that my time spent in Montana, I'm, I'm chasing sky pandas more than I'm chasing right. mallards. And right. so, right. Um, now mallards that I hunted, we got in some good mallard shoots in Alberta. Um, I hunted there a good bit in September and then a good bit in, was it there? November. It was November. Um, definitely saw a few, but nothing crazy. And then, you know, when I was down in, in Texas, I can't say that I saw a ton, hunted a little yeah. bit in Kansas. Didn't, I don't remember seeing anything abnormal there, but that's very interesting to note. It was just, it was just interesting. It got to the point where this year I, I, I quit, I quit plucking birds because I mm. you know, I, I really like at least peeling off, peeling those feathers off that breast and leaving that skin on those duck breasts. Yeah. I love that, but right. I didn't feel comfortable, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, you're not going to pick a breast after you fillet it. No. You know? And so it's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you tear the skin, it doesn't work great. And it was like, man, that's a lot of work to go through if I open mm -hmm. it up and it's rice breasted. So yeah. I just ended up, I just literally ended up breasting almost all my bird. Well, all of my birds right. this year. And, uh, you know, it, and it was fine. My kids love to eat them just about any way I cook them. So it, it doesn't sure. really matter, but yeah, it was just interesting. You know, I thought I'd talk, ask somebody that's, that's traveled a little more than I do and well, a lot more than I do and, and kind of better well, ask around. Yeah, no, I'm going to definitely ask around. Cause that's super interesting. I, uh, no one brought it up, but yeah, that's, I think I'll be paying more attention to it next year for sure. Well, and it may be just something that, that we find here locally. I know that the prevalence of it that I see is higher here locally than any place I've ever been. Hmm. You know, even, even when I lived a hundred miles to the South of here and was shooting birds on a, in the same geographical area, but on a different water, different water course. Right. Um, I didn't see very much of it Interesting. and here it's quite prevalent. So I don't know if it's something to do with if they're picking it up here or if it's a little area that, you know, that our birds are, you know, if they're coming from a specific spot up north and they come here, because we know that happens. We know birds pick a spot and they go to it year after year after year. And then their, their little ones continue to go to it. It's like they just keep doing the same things. And I'm, I'm wondering if, if we just have a pocket of it that happens to get it from a region in Canada. I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I got a, a water or a wildlife biologist friend of mine. I may, I may just see if he's heard anything either. 
Well, I would be interested to see what you find out because it's it's yeah, anecdotal, yeah. you know, because I know yeah. guys that, you know, in the same flyway, you know, the central flyway that are in that are in South Dakota or North Dakota are like, no, man, we never see that. I got a buddy yeah. that lives in, in, lives in Minot and he's like, yeah, dude, we never we never see that. We never That's see that. Interesting. I'll ask. I don't know. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just curious. Pick your brain. But what do you got coming up for turkeys? Um, you know, I, uh, I'm going to be staying in Montana a lot. Um, normally I try and hit a few new States every year. Um, I've got some other hunts going on outside of just turkeys over the next few months. And so, uh, the little bit of Turkey hunt I do focused right here in Montana with the wife and kids and some buddies, man, that is, that is tough to beat. It is. It's a lot of fun. I mean, and it's, it's one of those deals. It's like, look, I, I realize they're easier birds to hunt up here. I'm okay with it. It's super fun <laughs> for the kids. And right now I'm in a phase of life where like getting the kids super stoked and excited on it and it being a little bit easier isn't a bad thing right now. And so we're just embracing that stage of life for us and making sure the kids are, are having a good time. And I've got some other non-feather adventures coming up over the next couple of months. So I'll, I'll be mixing some of that in there too. Heck yeah. That's good for you. You talk about not being, you know, being a little naive or a little easier. Yeah. Oh man, the bird, we're, we're literally releasing a video tomorrow. I just, I just yeah. did final approval on it. And it's my what, turkey hunt from last year. Yeah. It was, it was in Montana. And yeah. that bird was not easy. I tell you what. Oh, really? Well, good. Good. Super limited. <laughs> I super, like to earn them. <laughs> oh man. It was a super, oh, super cool hunt. The way yeah. it all worked out, just the circumstances and the way we did it was just phenomenal. But this right. bird gobbled once yeah and an hour over an hour later he's standing at 19 yards doing one of these around a cottonwood tree <laughs> i got so no footage i i got the kill <laughs> shot i got yeah. the kill shot but it was like i i told dan picard the camera guy i was like dude just stay ready because i just got a weird feeling that this bird's coming he's just gonna yeah. show up and it's there and I would purr a little bit on the call real soft. I scratching the leaves a little bit yeah. and the gun's literally in my lap. Camera's not on. And all of a sudden I look <laughs> and there's this redhead, right? 19 yards, right in front of me. And yeah. all it is, is that much of it. Right. Right. And I said, don't move. <laughs> and he turned and walked behind this one of those giant cottonwoods, you know, that you yeah. can't reach around. And we, it was like, gun up, camera up, on. <laughs> Everything was like, click, click, click. That's as you could. <laughs> exactly. And this yeah. bird stepped out the other side of that tree. And he could have easily just turned and gone back and even gone. Right. He, he walked to the right and he stepped out. And Dan's like, I'm on him. And I just hosed him. It was like, That's I, didn't, awesome. I didn't, I didn't wait, you know. That's great. That's great. But, no, we had, we had one similar to that um, last year. Um, a buddy came up from Arkansas and, and we were hunting together and, uh, here we've still got a pretty good rolling terrain and, and the birds you can you can find them down in the river bottoms here but it's fun hunting them up in the hills too and uh these birds i knew were roosted up on top of a ridge line which was kind of unique um and we could hear them you know and as soon as they pitched down silence but we had really good visibility and i kid you not like we he was several i bet he was a thousand yards out i wish i would have had a range finder to be more specific but he was a good ways and we would call and he never made a sound, not once, but we could see his body language the whole time. And it, same thing, it took, I bet it took him an hour to finally get to us. And when he came in, he came in hot, but after he hit the ground, 
not a peep, nothing. But he was still very intrigued with the with the calls that we were doing, and and it just kind of slow but sure made his way in. And you just never know. I think a lot of people make a mistake with elk hunting too, but uh, sometimes you just need to sit, wait it out for a minute, give it some time. Don't don't be so quick to rush off like you got all day. Just let things play out. You'll, it you'll makes me wonder. Success. You're right. It makes me wonder how many birds I've walked away from. Oh, for sure. Over the years <laughs> that were coming, and I just was like, eh, "Not here. Let's go." You know, <laughs> stupid. They but, show up behind you, going, "Where did they go?" <laughs> yeah, you know, or they bust you when you stand up, and it's like, "Oops." Right. But right. yeah, it, it does make you wonder that that bird that I killed had three different shot sizes and types of shot in him, other than mine. Really yes that's crazy he had like copper plated number fours in his <laughs> like in his legs right and then in his breast meat he had like um he had a flight stopper piece of lead that looked to be like a number six from a federal load and then some other um fairly large copper plated pellet yeah was larger than the ones in his legs and then i shot him with federal premium tss nines good grief and it's like yeah no wonder he was so hesitant and yeah. he was he had spurs he had he broke it off spur and he had one other one but he had spurs like an eastern bird i'd really? never that's rare to, here. you'll have to watch it dude i'd never seen spurs on a miriam's like that's that. crazy yeah no i mean i think because of they just have different nutrition here and different habitat and they, their spurs are usually maybe half an inch oh, yeah. if you get something over half an inch that's a pretty good spurred burr up here but no uh, you're you're, you're spot on I, I picked him up and i was like holy smokes you look like an eastern i mean two inches on this on the one really? side really so awesome good for and you. the other one was broken off so i mean cool. it was cool yeah it was pretty crazy but no that's awesome good for you the it's hard to my kids are getting to the age where they like to go and they're capable of tagging along and my wife loves turkey hunting yeah and so i'm with you it's i have more fun going out calling in a bird for her to shoot with the kids there than i do killing one myself absolutely i i don't have to pull the trigger i i just like to be a part of the game and, and be there to see it all go down i get just as big of a kick out of that right now so i don't know i feel like too as a family we're the pandemic kind of forced us into it that first year and I'm still traveling a good bit, but like, I'm definitely spending more time at home with my, my wife and kids and enjoying hunting with them right now. So we're, I'm, I'm doing a few big trips a year and then, yeah, trying to stay close to Montana and enjoy all the awesome opportunities we have here. I think that's important to do. So. No, I agree with you. And you and I are blessed in the fact that we live in places that are pretty awesome yeah. and oh, yeah. lots of opportunity to do that stuff. You know, it's, Exactly. I got my Wyoming turkey tag in the mail the other day and it was like, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I'll fill it. You know what I mean? But it's, but yeah. it's the, the opportunities there. Yeah. And my wife got hers and she's like, we're going to, we're going to hunt these. I was, I said, well, you're going to hunt. I don't know about me, but <laughs> we're take the kids and camo everybody up and see if we can pull it off. But Absolutely. go double up. Yeah. We, we, I thought about that. I thought about that. I got a couple of spots where there's enough birds, especially early in the season where they're flocked up pretty good. That that's when it can happen. <laughs> you pull, you pull that off pretty easily. You pull that, that off, situation. absolutely. Nah, it'd be cool. That'd be super cool. And anyway, now nah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. But uh, if you get bored up there, give me a holler, man. Yeah, come up anytime. Um, likewise, I, I just like to go. I've got some buddies coming up from from different places this year, and 
I, I'm always looking for excuse to go out. Yeah. So yeah. Gonna... You, you and I, for summer, and it's like this, I don't care where you are. It's like, Oh, we need to, we need to hunt together. We need to fish together. We need to do this. We're only three hours apart, but I know life I know. is crazy. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nuts. You'd be three hours apart. And this is yeah. the first time I've talked to you since, well, other than hunt expo in a couple right. of years, it seems like, but I know, I know it's, uh, it's interesting just kind of what, uh, times around the pandemic did like we were forced to all connect differently and and then so many things changed and uh yeah i feel like it's it's been great for our family and it's definitely for the better but yeah i feel like i haven't talked to a lot of people in a while i'm just like ah i wonder how the heck they're doing uh, i need to follow up and see what's going on but no i'm glad we were able to to uh, jump on and do this I'll, I'll take you up on that offer i promise yeah come on down especially next year when the when the duck hunting's good because I know you. I know you guys are pretty hard on the on the uh, cobra chickens up there, around yeah. around around Los Angeles. But uh, <laughs> we we tend to load yeah. up with mallards pretty good down here. So totally. Well, I don't mind getting far away from Los Angeles. It's fun to live here, but I do <laughs> have to a little bit further away. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool place. It's a cool yeah, place. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's it has grown dramatically in the last. It year. is. It's been crazy. It's and I mean it's been it's become such a you know. An interesting hub for the hunting industry in general. There's a lot of companies and brands here. Heck, I helped you know start one that's based here now too. It's just uh, it's it's changed a lot. It's you know still an outdoorsman's paradise. Just get used to driving a little bit more to to get what you really want out of the experience. So right, right. Well, cool, man. I appreciate your time. It's been we we're knocking on the door of an hour and cool. I appreciate it we uh yeah it's been fun like i said if you uh get an itch and want to come down and hunt turkeys give me a holler probably yeah, get a tag over the leftover tag over the counter yeah i'll have to keep an eye on that um and let's make it happen and likewise seriously come up here you know it'd be cool is um if we were to time it and like really look at some maps and figure it out to where we try and double in montana kill a couple of birds up here and in the same, same rip, go down into Wyoming and do it. I, I I've hunted Wyoming a little bit and I feel like we can make that happen. Yeah. It's, it's a little, a it's worth a shot. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a little tougher here where we are right, right where we are. We don't have a ton of birds, you know, you don't, you get into big populations in the black Hills, yeah. you know, in that Northeast yeah. corner, that's where, that's where the really yeah. good Turkey hunting is, but there's, there's little, those little pockets. And if you know if you yep. know where to go and pick we sure. can pull that off but yeah let's keep that yeah. let's keep that on the back burner for sure sounds good buddy cool thank you man i appreciate your time and have a good night thanks you too thanks for having me on yep anytime all right talk to you later you,